A happy Easter season to you. I'm Greg Prince from the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo and your host every week for Western New York Catholic Weekly. We have a very special podcast for you this week. You're probably aware that on Easter Sunday morning, Mother Angelica, best known from the EWTN television and radio networks, passed away, and her funeral actually takes place the day we release this podcast, the Friday after Easter. I traveled in the fall of 2001 with Father Bill Quinlevin to the EWTN studios in Alabama and also visited the convent where Mother Angelica lived and uh, the new shrine that she had uh, recently built there at that time. And we interviewed several folks involved with EWTN, on-air personalities, producers, etc., uh, for intended to be used uh, for a fun drive for the local Catholic radio station and EWTN affiliate WLOF. So we went to the convent and were able to interview Mother Angelica there. This is after she had her first stroke in 2001. She was kind of recovering from that. You may recall she was wearing an eye patch on TV later that year, but uh, doing a, a show once a week or so still. Uh, later, of course, she had another stroke in December and uh, pretty much had, had stopped doing TV at that point. But this was prior to that. So the extern from her community, many people aren't aware because she was so visible on TV that she was part of a cloistered community. So the extern is, is one of the the sisters who um, is visible to the public, who, who takes care of of things out in the in the world outside the convent, uh, so she took us to the place where we would interview Mother Angelica. She sat behind a screen since she was cloistered, and we passed a microphone through to her and spent yeah, over an hour with her. So we're going to share that interview uh, in its entirety with you. So a little longer than a, than a normal program. And of course, we won't have a podcast because we're using this for our on-air program over the next couple of weeks on Western New York Catholic Weekly. The interesting thing was when we left the interview, uh, the sister who came to get us when the interview was over said, well, she spent a lot of time with you. And I said, oh, doesn't she usually? She goes, no, she really doesn't spend that much time, especially on interviews with people. So it was a very unique situation, at least we felt it was. But uh, we hope you enjoy this uh, retrospective interview with the late Mother Angelica. We started off by talking a little bit uh, particularly about uh, her community and the the shrine that that she had just built. It had never really had um, anything to do with EWTN, but they have always uh, opened the mail. And the reason they do that is I think it's the safest way to do it. But secondly, our sisters pray for everybody, every envelope they they open, and they're tragic, tragic problems that people have. But, and we don't do that for pay, that's our duty. This temple began unusually because um, as we went along in our years at DWTN, uh, I realized that we're losing a lot of Catholics, not only all over the world, but especially in South America. 
So at one of our meetings, <coughs> um, I, I approached the vice presidents and I said, you know, we, we got to do something about this. And they suggested that I go with a sister or two uh, and visit every country in South America and talk to the bishops and nuncios and all the rest and tell them that we are coming in in a year's time and this is, oh, six, seven years ago. <clears throat> At the second time we went over, or down, I guess, um, this particular priest uh, said, would you like to see the um, um, basilica in honor of the child Jesus? I said, oh, yeah. As we went in, there is, was in this basilica a big courtyard where they also had mass for 5,000 people at a time. They have 30 masses on a Sunday. Uh, great fervor there. Anyway, in passing, I looked in the corner of the of the courtyard, and I noticed a, a breast of a priest, a bust of a priest, and it said, um, "Father John Rizzo." I thought that was my father's name, John Rizzo. And I thought, well, by God, there was one decent John Rizzo in this world. <laughs> so, I'm not a very happy thought, but it was mine. And so I said to Father, "Who is that?" And he told me he was a little priest from Italy, Calabria, exactly where my dad was from, and that he was very instrumental in building this basilica. And uh, so the story was that he came over from Italy in the early 1900s, was assigned there, and he... Um, couldn't, Spanish was not good, but at least he put out a table and he, um, he had made a statue of the child Jesus and he put that on another table. So the people saw this priest in the middle of a field, you know, and he decided they would have mass with him while well, it grew and grew and so one day, he looks, there's a big crowd there, and, and they're all very poor. And he said, Divino Nino, you see these people? They're hungry. And they don't have any food. Now, if you don't feed them, they're going to kill me and smash you. Suddenly, out of nowhere, come little carts full of food. Well, a guy's petrified, you know, he didn't expect that. And every Sunday, the same thing happens. So these people are excited. They're getting food. Well, that goes on for a while, and suddenly, um, they come with the sick. Now, father's really scared. I mean, what's he going to do now? So he began to talk to the child Jesus in front of all these people. 
He says, do you know you young? <sighs> you see there's people, they're sick. That my cripple. If you don't heal them, they're going to kill me and smash you. Well, that's an interesting threat to, to a child, you know. Well, one guy had been born crippled, I mean, in bad shape. He gets up and he's walking and yelling and screaming and now that's all you need with the Spanish or Italian, whatever. Well, he has to build a small church and the people build it and then it gets a little bigger. So, Father said, you want to see the original statue? I said, I'd love to. So we go up a little hill. Of course, I had braces then and crutches. and I walked in this small place and it was pretty full of people. And the statue was not really big. Oh, maybe that big. The statue was facing that way and I was facing this way. I am just looking. I'm not asking anything. I'm not even praying. All of a sudden, he turns. The statue turns. It's real. I was astonished, you know. And he looked at me with the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. And he says, Build me a temple. And I will help those to help you. Well, I was shocked, you know, I... The Lord has always done many things for us, but I was confused because I didn't know what a Catholic temple was. I know there are Masonic temples and Jewish temples and What's a Catholic temple? I didn't imagine it, so I knew that was true. But just to clarify for listeners, so this was not something you had really. Oh, I never thought of. Given any thought to before you took these little well, trips to you, South America. <laughs> if you don't have money for this kind of building, you don't think about it. <laughs> there you go. You're a dreamer, you know. Yeah. No, I would never think of it. I didn't see any reason to go anywhere. It was getting crowded down there. and So anyway, I, I started to cry, which I don't often do, but I thought, God, this is awesome. When I got home, I thought, well, i got to tell the sisters, you know. So they said, well... Where do we start? We all have money to build it. What's a temple? I said, I don't know. What, 70 cubits to the north? And that's <laughs> about all we had to go on, I would think. <laughs> uh, so, um, I went to Italy to see the Holy Father. And um, they gave him reports every couple of years. And when I go out of the Basilica, I looked up, and there it was. It said, this temple 
was dedicated in, I don't know what year it was. There is a Catholic temple. So I come home and we don't have any money. <laughs> Every nickel that comes in goes to the network, you know, because it takes all that to run such a big operation. Anyway, so I said, baby Jesus, you're going to have to do something drastic because I don't have money to buy the land. Bill Saltemeyer, he goes to New York to give a talk. He stays with some friends. And the man was at dinner with him and said, that, look, I want to sell my business. If the sisters can pray I sell it for my price, I will give them a million dollars. Well, Bill almost faints. He calls me up. He said, that baby's working. I said, what's he doing? Well, he told me, I said, oh, boy. Well, we start praying hard. In 40 days, a man walks into his office, offers to buy it at his price. Well, a few days later, I get a check in the mail. I call them grocery checks. They're about this big, you know, one million dollars. I said, oh. That's a lot of groceries, Mother. Thank you, child Jesus. Well, we look for land a good five, six months. If we found something we like, it would fall through for some reason. And finally, the real estate agent says, Mother, this is it. I don't have any more land to sell. Well, here it was. And the sister and I got out of the car, and we all knew this was the place. You could feel the presence of the Lord. So we bought. Well, <laughs> I was asked to go to England at Westminster to give a talk. <clears throat> and while I was there, I ended up giving two talks and came home. And we had invited <clears throat> a benefactor who had uh, purchased a very expensive piece of equipment for the network called a video server. And so I had asked her and her husband to come look at it. She did. When she got it, it was a million dollars, so she gave it. And, um, And when she was going back into the car, she said, uh, you got any projects? I said, well, those are famous last words. <laughs> I said, I always have a project. And she said, well, well, what is it? So I let her know what the child Jesus said. And I said, no, I think what you could do for me is to um, say a prayer. I, I wrote to a Catholic foundation for some money to build this. And uh, she said, well, if they don't answer, let me know. Well, I wasn't about to let her know. I mean, a million dollars is enough for one individual, you know? Well, she doesn't. I don't call her. And the, the foundation gave us 300000 which is wonderful, but 
nowhere near, you know, what we needed. So she called me. And she said, uh, did you ever hear for that foundation? I said, yeah, I did. And they gave us 300000 and That won't go very far. I said, well, better than I had before. <laughs> she said, uh, how much is the church, the temple? I, I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. She said, well, we'll pay for it. Well, any time anybody tells me that, it kind of puts me in a pickle, you know, because I don't know what you got. And I can't say, you know, how much you got? You know, I, I wouldn't be right. And so I said, well, um, well, she said, um, don't you have all kinds of things inside a temple? I said, oh, yeah. I said, you know, we have very doads and uh, the, the throne for the best sacrament and pews. And she said, well, I'll, we'll buy those, too. I said, oh, no, Lord, am I meant to now? Well, I said to her, um, well, uh, this is a kind of expense. I think it's going to be very expensive. I said, well, uh, don't you want to wait till I find out what it's going to cost? She said, no. <laughs> and I said, well, um, I, she said, don't worry about it. I said, okay. So we, we, we started building this, the temple. Just with all the, the monastery part, with the, the footer was dug, but that's it. That was Mudville. So we're building the temple. It gets bigger and bigger. So, uh, Bill called me, who's now CEO of EWTN, and he said that there's a woman called me. She wants to know, she, she asked if we were building this temple, and I said yes. She said, could I come see it? I don't tell them all the time, I don't care. So she comes. I would show her around, tell her what we're going to do, and what is being done, and why. And so she said to me, um, I'll pledge a million dollars. I said, oh, awesome, wonderful. So time goes on, and she went home, and she said to me, uh, my husband's not very generous, but, you know, we will pledge a million dollars. I can do that. I said, it's fine. She said, Mother, when I got home, my husband said, okay, what'd you give her? And I said, a million dollars. He said, that's not going very far. Yeah, I know. He said, give her four. Well, I, I looked at the child Jesus and I had never prayed in my life to the child Jesus. I thought, he is keeping his promise. Throughout the entire six years it took to build this. To get it where you see it now, it took six years. Every month, there were five families all together. 
One gave a one-time pledge and the other four gave every month. I would tell them what it is and they would pay. When we dedicated, it would be two years, December 19th this year, it was already paid for. We haven't had any debt on it. We've never had any money left, but that's the way God acts with this act. I think it's awesome. Do you like it? We've seen just huh? this much of it. So we're looking forward after we speak with you to oh, see the you 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 won't believe it grounds. Mother and then me. below is the castle we built to match because you can't build an ordinary building in front of this. Let me ask you, why do you think? And and you're no stranger to people's generosity for the work that you do. Yeah. Why do you think? they give the money to you, or maybe a better way to put it is, for these purposes. What What's going on in their lives mm-hmm. that they feel called to this work? Well, you know, we started the network with $200 and no knowledge. Okay. It's 20 years old now. There's no answer except God did it all. We had the desire to please Him, the desire to work for Him, and the desire to bring back the beauties of the Church. And there was nothing we had in mind. The network grew painfully. Uh, we shed many tears over it, many humiliations over it, many, many problems over it. But it always was there to protect us, to guide us, to lead us on from one wonder to another. We, the sisters never worked at the network. We started with five members and we had no idea how it would become, what it would become or how. I guess some people got a kick out of a bunch of cloistered nuns doing <laughs> it. It's totally opposed to our way of life. And we were always faithful, still are, to our way of life. Yeah, we're contemplative nuns, and we've always stayed that way. The, the nuns shared my problems with me, but I had, I was first and foremost abbess of this monastery. When I left the network, I put that half off, I took that hat off and put on the other one totally different. Our Lord blessed us miraculously many times that we almost (laughs) went bankrupt or slid down the mountain, but he would always come to our rescue.
He was a friend, a god, a savior, a spouse, a knight in shiny armor. He was always there. When everything seemed dark and dreary and impossible, he made it always possible and changed it around many times. I don't think the people yet in the first some years of our life in the network or the network, I think we were always sure that our life was never interfered with. We were cloistered nuns and we intended to stay that way. That's why you see a grip. I knew, however, since 1972, when a group of Episcopalians and Baptists and all went to where we were in Birmingham and asked if I would give them a scripture class during Lent. I didn't know I had anything to offer, but I thought it was unusual that non-Catholics in the Baptist belt would ask me, of all people, to give them a scripture class. Well, I did, and I went on for almost five years, every Monday. And then from there came books, because they'd say, Mother, why don't you put this in a book? Okay. And from the books uh, came this network. I was always thinking that the Lord was going to just use it as a place, you know, where people could come for free and, and, and make programs. Well, after we had opened a studio, when I, <laughs> I wrote to every bishop in the country, and I said, you know, we have a beautiful studio, and we would be glad to make programs for you free. I get one answer from anybody. <laughs> I know that was, must have been very, very strange to these four bishops. A question on asking them to use a studio free. Must have been crazy. Anyway, so here we are with this studio we built, and, and that's because I lost my temper with the studio we were using. And. <coughs> I said to one of them, we had hired five people. I said to we, we, this man called, he said, I want 50 programs that I can't pay for them. I said, well, come on, we'll do our best. <laughs> he, he had a, a devotion to the Sacred Heart or something, you know. So we made 50 programs, half hour. It kind of dawned on me, well, what's he going to do with them? Where, where is he going to put them? So I asked the one lonely engineer we had, I said, where are you going to put these? He said, uh, vodka. I said, oh, he can't afford that. Is there something else? He said, yeah, it's a cable. I said, that only run it once. Is there something else? Said, yeah, there's satellite. I said, what is that? So he explained satellite. 
I said to him, how do I get from here to there and there down? Well, he said, you have to have a, um, an air search. Uh, you have to have an earth dish, a big one. Um, you have to have a lot of equipment. About two million dollars worth. You need a lawyer. I said, what comes first? He said, a lawyer. <laughs> well, I looked through books and I looked for television lawyers. And I didn't know there was such an animal. And so I found one in Washington. And I said, I called him up my hand, Mother Angelica from Our Lady of Angels Monastery in Birmingham, Alabama, I want to build a satellite network. Did I beg your pardon? Did I repeat it? He said, are you serious? I said, yes. Do you know anything about it? I said, no. Well, I'm going to Tulsa, Oklahoma. On my way back, I'll stop. It's okay. He stopped. He stayed all day with us. And he said, you're really serious. I said, yes. I want to put the church everywhere, all her beauty. Okay, he said, I'll help you. But I want you to know one thing. I never forgot it. He said, once you begin, there is no turning back. Do you understand? I said, I understand. Okay. And that's how the satellite network began. The Lord did so many miracles. I couldn't put them in a book. I've tried, and Raymond is writing a new book. And every day. Uh, now it's in other hands. It's uh, It's awesome. It's... We pray with it, we pray over it, we pray for it. Um, the Blessed Sacrament and our sisters' prayers are the real reason it has been so successful. And I want the people to know that. The prayer before the Eucharist is powerful. If you want to know how or why all this is, and this temple, and this monastery, on these grounds. Today, uh, a, a huge bus of the Church of Christ came over. Almost 50% of all the people that come here are not Catholic. And some have no religion at all. But with all the things that are happening today, they seek the Lord. As some of the apostles would ask, where is Jesus? Where? And I think of our dear Lord lived today, and there was another pilot. He would have never asked, what is truth? I think what he would have said is, where is truth? Where? I don't think many people know where. And so only the Lord can answer that question.
Only the Lord, he does in that chapel. God, he does. Can tell you, show you who the Lord is. Sad to say, many don't know. Many don't want to know. I like the purpose of all these poor people who seem to hate Americans. It's our due. We have not been the country under God. We have thought that we can do without him. And now I think the American people understand you can't do without him. And I hope that this terrible tragedy, I know it was permitted by God for a reason, and you can see that our chapel, we're out in the boondah, and our chapel is full every morning. We get bus after bus after bus. They seek the Lord. And I hope this chapel and the castle we built, because we only live from a gift shop, the one in Birmingham. The one here we had in the big room there, which we've locked up now and going to provide it for what it was built for. But um, we couldn't build an ordinary building in front of this. <laughs> so we looked in, and looked and looked in books, and I saw this little castle, and I thought, ah, that's it. <laughs> So I got the knights here, and um, they they built it. Have you been in it? We have not. Well, not you yet. need to go. It <laughs> closes at five or six, five, I think. That's what Frank told us. We oh, have to go. it's only three. Two. You have time. Sure. So that uh, uh, everything in a nutshell. I hope. One day, I, I told the sisters, and I've told the network. Um, just, if you work in the network, it's not a job; it's a mission. And when it's a job, quit because you're not useful to the Lord. And I want the sisters to know they are contemplatives first and foremost, and their prayers before the Lord, day and night, had been the reason that the Lord has blessed us. And I hope the people, as they come here from everywhere, understand that. It's very necessary to understand. What about folks like us, hmm? Mother, who... Um, are interested in your story, who are interested in the media, whoever it might be. Somebody's writing a book, an article. Right. With regard to the community, a group of contemplative sisters, mm-hmm. is this kind of an invasion on your community, or is it important that you... Now, with us, it's a little different because we're part of the EWTN family. We're an affiliate of the yeah. EWTN radio network. Um but, you know, is it important that you tell the story? So, I mean, is, is it a welcome invasion, perhaps? Well, it would be an invasion if they were involved, but they're not. Okay. They live their life totally, and we don't discuss anything from the network okay. in our life. 
uh, I never have. If there's something serious happening, they I tell them and they pray, and that's their job. Um, and since I retired now, it's two years, I guess. Um, I pray harder, and I know the men that we have appointed there. The nuns uh, have never been involved. We've been faithful to our life. I have permission from Rome to do that work. And I do it. I give my reports to the Holy Father. Um, and I come home, and that's it. You know, I don't wear a pontifical order. And, uh, you, you know, I think we went down for our 20th anniversary. I took eight or nine sisters with me, mostly professors and solemn professors. And I thought that was necessary because the people miss all the nuns that were there. They saw them every morning at Mass when the grill opened and, and they felt their presence, you know. And they've had a hard time adjusting. I still go down Tuesdays and Wednesdays. They gave me off two months because of this little stroke I had. You know, nobody knows except they finally found out. My heart, uh, one of the valves, <laughs> instead of opening like this, well, it's down here, see? And what happens is a little flake or something got loose and, and it hit my brain. And when it took MRI, they felt I have had probably four strokes, but I never knew it. And um, this one, since it was more evident, they put me on Coumadin. And I felt I felt fine throughout. I mean, I was in the hospital ten days, but I kept saying, I'm fine. No, you're not. And I just lay there. <laughs> <laughs> I had wonderful. It happened in Birmingham. He had to go back to my old doctor, who is awesome in himself. And I go every week when I go down to the network. I go every week and he takes the blood and tells me whether I where I am. I always feel the cross is a grace from God, and I've always felt that way my whole life. And so I don't really have any worries. Anything that you would have maybe done differently looking back at 20 years of the, of at least the network work? No. I am so convinced, and so are my sisters, that everything that was done, even our mistakes, God used for good. Uh, I I think he was hunting for somebody to do this and he couldn't find anybody. <laughs> and he saw the 12 nuns looking and I said, well, they might tackle it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really feel we were kind of the, the last ones, you know. Because, see, we did. But I can see why he did that, because with us, he gets all the honor and glory. We didn't have any knowledge, and neither do we want any. We never studied anything, you know. I have enough to do without studying television. And our Lord always sent us the right people. Always. 
all the pessimists in the beginning. Why are you going to afford to hire directors and all this? They're very expensive, blah, blah. I said, no, it's not my job. When we started this whole thing, you know, I, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'll make a bargain with you. I'll get the signal from here to there and down. After that, it's your problem. <laughs> I tell you, we, I don't know. We're all over the world now. I mean, it's not a, a, a mile anywhere that we don't reach. Now, maybe they don't pick us up. Maybe they don't have a dish yet. But it's there. And I feel a signal of God, the Word, the eternal Word coming down has to be a weakening process for the enemy. Whether we reach everybody's television or not, it's amazing to me, to all of us, that, for example, sometime on a Tuesday night, Monday night, we reach thousands of people on the phone, but we can't even answer, you know. One night it was 19,000. That's not a lot of people for an hour. Oh, we only can take three or four calls, you know? But they call, see? And, and what I am also surprised at is the, the amount of children that listen. I had little kids. This man called me up one night and he said, I just want to make you feel good. I said, great. He said, uh, we have a son that's three years old. Somehow he knows when you're going to be on. And uh, he goes to the living room and sits there. And he said, my wife come in, or my wife and I come in, we bring our Bibles, and, and if we talk while you're talking, he goes, shh. <laughs> and then, after the program, he goes to the television and kisses it. He kisses you. And I, he said, I really don't mind, except if we eat ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> And those are the kind of things that, that I have to wonder at. I'm amazed, Mother, at the, both in terms of, of your own programming and with regard to the radio, oh, yeah. um, the Catholic Answers Live program, how many, when oh, you yeah. say 19,000 calls, sometimes it seems like half of those aren't Catholics. Well, it's the same thing we have here. Half of the people who come here consistently uh, sometime now, let's see, this morning, we had two buses and one Protestant bus. Sometime we'll only maybe have two or three buses, all non-Catholic. And they come back. Well, when we were building and just about ready to get things ready for consecration, we went and bought this furniture here in uh, Common. And I would say, uh, do you know how to get out to our place? He says, oh, yes. I come off it. I said, you do? Yes. Oh, I said, it's really not finished. It doesn't matter, he said. I, uh, when I can't take things anymore, I go out and I sit on a rock or in that pizza you had. And I said, not pizza, 
piazza, mm. <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> and, well, I guess. Well, maybe someday there'll be pizza downstairs in the right. castle. You know. I, <laughs> he said, but I, I go and sit. And he said, as soon as I do, um, I feel the presence. And he said, when it's finished, but I feel the same presence when I walk in. I said, oh, awesome. Good. He said, I'm looking forward to that. There's a good Baptist, you know, a man of God. Um, they come, and they will come more, much more, because they're beginning to feel the needs. They before kind of half satisfied, half content with their life, with themselves, with everything else, unwilling to change anything. And now they're beginning to look and to see and uh, I mean, nobody wanted Twin Towers to fall so fast. But they all learned something, I'm sure, and and other things are going to happen, terrible things. But, you see, we need it, and we deserve it. Well, you've given us a lot of time, and we, we really appreciate you uh, joining us here, especially for this special oh, weekend at WLOF. Oh, it's to give God credit. Can I Thank ask you the tough question, and I'll bet it's one you've heard a million times, though. Mm-hmm. A lot of money and human resources and, and you know, worldly resources went into building this, went oh, yeah. into building Eternal Word. Um, I'm sure there are detractors that say, like they said to Jesus, mm-hmm. why don't we take that money and give it to the poor? <laughs> What's your answer to them, sister? Well, you know, somebody asked me that on the air one day, one <laughs> night. It's been a couple. I, of I figured days. you probably heard it. Oh before. yeah. <laughs> and I said to them, you know, I just read today about a football field that's going to cost two hundred and sixty million dollars for how many football games a year? I have heard one complaint, not one, $260 million. I could build a dozen of these, and you'd all yell and scream. I had not talked to me about giving to the poor. You just wasted it. Two hundred and sixty million dollars on your own pleasure. And you don't want anything for God. God's house is different. God's house has to look like God. It can't look like a a shanty or like something you could make overnight, a basketball court, you could make it into a football game, you could turn it around and make it a restaurant you could and then have mass on Sundays I said that's a church no we have that most of the time and I'm surprised as soon as I get one of those ridiculous statements 
just one. <laughs> uh, one man said to me, you know, my life kind of go overboard. I said, oh, really? Why? He had to build such a big church. Hmm. I said, I don't know you, but you look like a man of means. He said, I am. Hmm. You have a car? I have four. Oh, not bad. <laughs> and one's better than the other, I bet. Yeah? You had a boat? Of course. Oh. I bet you go to all these fancy places in the world for vacation. Well, why not? I, I didn't ask it. I don't object. <laughs> I just want to know. Is that where you go? Yeah. Hmm. I don't want to ask you this, but what do you put in a collection on Sunday? Well, that's it's it's kind of my business. Oh, I said no question, it's your business. I'm just curious. Well, I, I put a couple dollars. Oh, really? Well, what's wrong with that? I said nothing. But I know you should take better care of yourself than your God. Because your minister or your pastor can't do a thing with your miserable two dollars. So I, I don't think I would complain about my archer. I wish it was more. I had got a pretty jeweled monstrance up there. I suggested I would have put more in it if I had them. <laughs> Our dear Lord asked for very little from the people. But, uh, you know, you find that the majority don't want to even give that. I don't pay attention because I think it's stupid. You know? I had a woman, oh, this is the worst I get, or I got. I don't get it anymore. She said, I wish you'd let us know when you spend our money to build a church. And I wrote her back and I said, lady, not five cents of your money went into that church. That church was built by five families. And we didn't spend a nickel doing that. We wouldn't anyway. You know, not, whoever comes in is, belongs to the network. We barely make it. It costs 2300000 a month to keep the network just going, let alone, you know, we don't make any profit. They're always calling me, we don't have enough. What do you want me to do about it? <laughs> Pray! <laughs> That's a good thing to do. <laughs> Pray! <laughs> well, is that the toughest question you had? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make it too hard on you. Oh, uh, no. You know, the asthma's worked up today. We, you know, mm -hmm. I don't, the asthma's working up today. I don't want to work you too hard. I know. Mother, uh, you know, it's something you said. I, um, I read every day in Father George Kosicki's book where he took the, the entries of Sister Faustina's diary mm -hmm. and then puts it into daily devotional form so you can read every day. Mm -hmm. And October's all about the Eucharist. 
And the passages the past couple of days have been, you know, how Jesus would tell her there are so few souls that recognize me in the Eucharist. And I'm here and nobody recognizes me. And that's my greatest pain. And today's was even more pointed where um, he tells Faustina, some um, giving myself in communion to some souls is like a second passion for me. Oh, yeah. Has to be. You know they're not ready. You don't see confession lines anywhere near communion lines. You see, you know, you know. But I did Lord's becoming one of these dates, and he's going to make it right. It just, it's not the end of the world, but I think it's the intermediate coming, where we won't see him in the flesh, but we will see him in the Eucharist in a new way. And whoever is left, and I think it's not going to be what we think, uh, it has to be a new world. He has to receive from the Father the glory of his redemption. He hasn't done that yet. Because from day one, there was persecution and heartache and, and martyrdom and everything. And it's here today. And it will always be until the Lord purifies the world. And we become like we should have from the beginning, from the start. I look forward to that. I'm 78, but still, I could make it. I hope to. Everything's in order. <laughs> I have a wonderful vicar and a wonderful council. The Lord says, you know, my superior, when I started, when we started this monastery, uh, let's see, what is it? 38, 39 years ago. Um, she had told me one time, she said, I told the Lord when I became an abbess, I could could not take debts, but I could take characters. <laughs> and boy, she had them. <laughs> she never had a debt. So when I got to be abbess, I was 36. <laughs> I said, uh, Lord, I just want to make you understand something. Uh, I can take debts, but I can't take characters. <laughs> I never had one. Never. I've always had debt, except, oh, maybe. <clears throat> the monastery has never had debt, but the, the network has, and it's always, always somebody comes up and pays it, and it's awesome. Awesome. And they never have a debt, you know, except, of course, we have nine or ten satellites. And that's a big expense every month. But And we have 200 and some employees, so. But he always makes it. <laughs> and when we don't make it one month, he'll add that on to the next month. You, know, <laughs> you can't lose when you depend on the Lord. You got all you wanted? I did. Thank you very much. Okay. I think that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was where our interview 
ended. But after we were done with the interview, uh, I was with Father Bill Quinlevin who had traveled uh, with me to the uh, uh, EWTN studios and to, to Mother Angelica's convent to gather these uh, various – interviews. They were intended to be used for the local EWTN radio affiliate, uh, WLOF, as part of their fun drive in the fall of 2001. So uh, Father Bill Quinlevin asked her to do something she was certainly not shy about, to make a fundraising pitch to tell people why they should support Catholic radio. And I felt it would be a shame not to share this with you. This might be more of a classic snapshot of Mother Angelica than our entire hour-long interview that you just listened to. So uh, enjoy the uh, the fundraising pitch. She was certainly good at it and uh, not shy about it. And I hope you'll join us for our next podcast here for Western New York Catholic Weekly. Well, while I'm here on this wonderful radio station, I would like to encourage you to be generous. Radio stations are not as expensive as television. When you don't have it, it's very expensive. And I would like to encourage you to be generous. If you don't have it, pray. Pray for it. If you have it, you know, and you don't have it, you wouldn't worry a bit if you gave some of that. I think they need, they need to be free of debt so that they can concentrate more on you, on your needs, on spreading the gospel on giving the people an idea of the beauty of the church. We hear so much criticism today. The Holy Father's not doing this, he's not doing that, the church isn't doing that, they're way behind. No, none of that is true. By giving, you spread the truth, because this radio station needs you. It doesn't have private donors. It doesn't have donors to give a lot. There are many who never give, but listen, there are many who can't give and get much from it. And those who can't, you still can give a lot by prayer. Everybody that listens is capable of helping this network grow by prayer, by spreading the good news, telling other people to listen, telling them this is good for your soul. It gives you courage when you can't get it anywhere else. It gives you knowledge of the faith and God. When everybody around you is wandering and as confused as you are. So I would encourage those who are doing. Thank you. Be consistent. And know that you're not feeding a network. You're feeding hundreds and thousands of people. Those of you that have never given, ah, shame on you. <laughs> you need to give. Why don't you make a sacrifice like a pack of cigarettes? What a terrible thing. What are they, about $2 now? You're paying to get cancer. Now, that don't make any sense to me. Give that $2 to this radio network. I wouldn't ask you to do such an awesome thing as to quit smoking, but it would probably be a good idea. And you would get merit 
and you would get better health. And this tele, this radio network could benefit. You see how easy that is. You always wonder what you can do for God. There's a good example of what you can do for God. Necessary. Those of you that always give, don't tire. Don't get tired. The good is always available in today's world. It's necessary for perseverance. you got to persevere. And we thank you for doing that already. Those of you who have never dawned on you that this does not come to you uh, out of the goodness of somebody else's heart, it does. Somebody's giving, they couldn't pay their bill. But are you giving? That's... I have, you know, I get sometimes 10, 15 cents in the mail. <clears throat> from some little kid or a dollar because he washed a car. Awesome. And all he wants to say to me is, thank you, Mother Angelica. And that's important. Giving is a part of your gratitude to God. If you're grateful for all the things he has given you, then give a little, if you don't have anything, give a prayer. If you have a lot and just got a little stingy, remember, you can't take it with you. I guarantee that. So give now so that when you do meet the Lord, you have a little cash in that spiritual bank that says, I gave, just read your word, Lord. Then he'll come and say, Good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom of God. And there's a lot of you that are not Catholic. Well, if you benefit, then give. We give dimes and nickels to every kind of organ, a United Fund and this fund and that fund. We, there, we don't go by religion. We go by the goodness of the organization. And what does it bear fruit of? Does it bear fruit of goodness? Yes. Does it bear fruit of knowledge? Yes. Does it keep you closer to the Lord? Yes. Hmm. Pretty good for a couple of bucks, you know. So, try your best. And thank you.